0: The Forward Together podcast from Hollywood Trust, with Paul Gosling and Jared Dean.
1: Hello and welcome to the Forward Together podcast. My name is Jared Dean. And with me today is Paul Gosling. Paul, how's you?
2: I'm fine, Jared.
1: Good stuff. So this is the final review podcast. We've been having a conversation for the last nine or ten months um, with a range of people, and we've held, we've done three re- review episodes so far, and this is the final one, Paul. This final theme that we're looking at today, uh, what is it?
2: Well, we asked the interviewees four set questions. And today we are considering the fourth of those questions, which is how do we have the constitutional conversation in ways that are positive, respectful and not damaging or threatening?
1: Okay, so what we have now are audio clips from some of the interviews that we released earlier as part of our podcast series. And then... People will hear immediately the discussion on the on the theme from the panel who are at the event on the eighteenth of September and our panel members were Paul Gosling, Julianne Campbell from the Museum of Free Dairy, Maureen Hetherington from the Junction and Dennis Bradley.
3: And unionism needs to look and recognise that the environment around us is, is changing.
4: The demographics are changing. That does not mean a united Ireland is inevitable, uh, but it is something we need to be aware of. Scottish nationalism is a threat to the union. English nationalism is a threat to the union. And I would actually go as far as to say that I believe the DUP and some of their policies and their attitudes and their tone is a long-term threat to the union.
0: For me, if a constitutional change has to come, I want to keep very close links with the rest of the UK and I wonder, is there some way that a new discussion could be opened up? Because at the minute, the only discussion we seem to have is, you know, UK or All-Ireland. There doesn't seem to be a sort of a recognition, but could we not have an All-Ireland? that would be within a a close-knit British Mm Isles. Is that not a possibility? Um, Why why could that not happen? And and I'm not talking about Ireland coming back into the Commonwealth, but that would bring Ireland into closer links with other countries within the UK.
5: I don't think now's the time. I think there's too many other issues with Brexit, but I do say this, um, depending on what type of Brexit we have, uh, it may well be that that becomes a, a, a realisable um, thing that we have to consider within the next few years. Um, I mean, if people in the south of Ireland are living better... In the north than people in the north because of the fact that they're in the European Union. Mm-hmm. So we have a bad Brexit and all the dreams and you know ambitions of the Brexiteers don't come to pass. And we're actually really ruined the day that we ever left the European Union. And we look across to our neighbours across in the south and they're living better than we are. I think people would probably want to be part of, of, a, of a country which was attached to Europe. And so with that whole question of being a United Ireland may well come into the fore, I think that would be the worst nightmare for the DUP. But, you know, they've only themselves to blame. I mean, they've opened the door for it. And I, I genuinely think that, you know, a
4: conversation about a border poll, this is the absolutely wrong time. If you want to convince people that, that that's where we should go then you need to you know let's tell everybody what it looks like let's thrash out those details and if that takes five years it takes ten years so be it um, we but we need it's absolutely um, um, important to have that debate and that conversation but to to test out all of those things now and not simply a yes or no vote and then we'll decide how we get on with it I think something very ha- important happened within the last couple of weeks and has not received the attention that perhaps should have. And that is that uh, the Irish, well, the Europeans, uh, and the Irish, but particularly the Europeans, have said if there's a no deal situation, we will still have to deal with the Northern Ireland situation. That's a massive movement from where situations were
2: at and the last difficult question is how do we have the constitutional conversation in ways that aren't threatening to the fabric of our society today yeah. well actually i think that's the easy conversation that's the only
3: one of the questions that's actually easy easier because one you know we've been given a gift in this process which is called brexit cuz um, it's allowed actually those of us who are from a protestant background which is me um, to be able to um, talk about the heresy of the United Ireland in a way that is not heresy. In other words, it's allowed us to talk about um, the possibility of constitutional change in a way that doesn't seem to be, um, you know, disloyal to tribe, uh, because clearly, for many of us, um, Brexit is nuts. I mean, you know, it's nuts in I mean, that sounds very disrespectful, people. I don't. I should really retract it. It's not. People are entitled to their view. If they think if it's the right thing to do, that's brilliant. Fill your boots. That's grand. But it clearly has changed the dynamic um, between um, how we deal with our neighbours in the south and how we deal with our neighbours in Britain. You know, it's it's shone a light on the fact that the British don't really know or care very much about Northern Ireland. We knew that anyway. Um, this uh, is shone a light. Um, on the fact that um, those of us who um, whose businesses are totally integrated into the Republic's economy, which mine is, um, you know, this is not, you know, to have a future where that um, growth in the Irish market for us is in any way impeded, or that presence in the Irish market in any way impeded, is a threat to jobs and our own livelihoods, and so we're going to vote with our, um, you know, economic future hat on, um, the. Uh, and I think it's allowed a lot of us to question um, what is it we, why is it where we're unionist in the first place? What's that all about?
1: Okay, Dennis, over to yourself. Because, uh, Philip describes Brexit as a gift when it comes to this conversation. You described it as an opportunity earlier on. Um, do you see it that way? I think we're a time that we've never been at in the last fifty years on this conversation.
4: Well, inside my head, the way I see it is that I think that Brexit, people talk about it completely, we're all over the place, and all of this was unpredictable. And I know what they mean by that, but there's another way of viewing this, is that Brexit drew a walled garden. Uh, in other words, we know the size of this debate going forward. What happens in the garden is crazy at this moment of time. It's all over the place. But that was predictable, too. Uh, and that, the dynamics of that are going to have to play out for months and years, as they have been doing over the last three and probably will do for another year or two. But the walls don't change. And the new walls are, the new garden is that we have to decide the totality of relationships within these islands. That's the new walls uh whether we do it or not and whether we do it badly or middling or very well will remain to be seen but there's no running away that everything at a constitutional level is now changed um the relationship between england and scotland has changed we will go to a second vote there which may or may not be won. but it changes the changes people in scotland changes the relationship between english people and scottish people it changes the relationship between ourselves and england and scotland and also our relationship north and south as i said earlier on so all of that in some ways is the new garden and how we play it i think is, is going to be interesting um, Linda Irvine says, I would like some kind of relationship, you know, with England, if even if there is some kind of a new wall garden around Ireland. And I think that's a very interesting statement, and I think that's the way it should be. Uh, and people say things like, Oh, you couldn't talk about, you know, Ireland rejoining the Commonwealth. I kind of think, Of course, you can talk about Ireland rejoining the Commonwealth. And you can talk about all kinds of things. You can talk about people, uh, I mean, uh, way back somewhere, somebody says to me, would you take a, a, a someone in the House of Lords and I nearly, I nearly vomit it, right? But Margaret Ritchie took a place in the, I think we have to be open to people taking places in the House of Lords or whatever House of Lords it might be, right? All I'm saying is that everything is now open up. Everything is changed within this debate. The important thing is to have the debate, to have it maturely, to have it ongoing. Uh, and it's not the great thing, and the thing that's saving us is it's no longer about uh, Protestants and Catholics. It's no longer just about Protestants and Catholics. And it's no longer just about north of, north of Ireland and south of Ireland. It's about all these islands. And I think that is a healthy thing. I think that has been coming for quite some time because I think that the constitution of where England, and we control the rest. Is what not sustainable going into the future? The majorities and the minorities were too close together within these islands, and that is and the dynamics of the of the of the numbers have have been changing for 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 a long long time. I remember it's just a story just to, to lighten it a little bit. Uh, I remember at a. Pre Anglo Irish or English Irish, you know the, the conferences they have in Oxford once a year, like Anglo Irish, right? Uh, I think there was two or three people, including a friend of mine who was a theologian across the table from me, and well, he called you a call woman who's the historian from Dublin but from Scotland, or, uh, Ruth Edwards. But Ruth Edwards was there too. And I happened to say, this will all boil down to numbers at the end of the day, right, and being beaten up, right? really beaten up by this right, and the rest of the others who thought this was an atrocious statement, very crude statement. This is, that's the way politics works, right, and the demographics are changing, but also the demographics in the sense of identity is changing within all of these countries. And I know that there, there there's all history is happening within that and then there's a new history and the relationship between the global and the local is also feeding into all of that at the the one and the same time. So all those things are happening and I'm very hopeful about it because I think it will come out on the right side particularly for this island I think it will force us into having mature debates I I think that to some degree has already happened. If we can fend off the possibility of a clash or a crash which actually brings us to the cliff too quick and which provokes either on one hand loyalists who are so frightened of this and who may be stoked up by this So we can avoid that and I think we will because they're not so easily fooled anymore. I think that they have been down that road and will feel as they do feel, you know, we've been used before and we will not be used again. Uh, So I think that some of those dynamics will will block that, on the one hand, and I think that Sinn Féin, on the representative of the Republican side, if you want to call it the more extreme side of Republicanism, actually have grown up and are are going to have to continue to mature because they have very difficult dynamics to to manage politically, both north and south of this island, in the next couple of years and so forth. And the call for the the border poll I'm quite sympathetic to only on this ground. I don't think it will happen, and I don't think it should happen within any time soon. But neither should it come off the table. I'm very strong on this. It should not come off the table on the grounds that I have never known unionism to come into the room to have the debate unless they had to. And I think that you, the poll is the thing that brings them into the room to at least have the debate.
1: Paul, well, it was something that Dennis actually said in his interview where it was, Unionists can lose this only once and lose the argument. But Mike Nesbitt was talking about the opportunity that Brexit presents for Unionism. And in all Ireland, where Unionists could hold the balance of power for, forever in the government mm. government.
2: Yeah, Mark Durkin has said something similar. Uh, Mark has said that uh, Unionism, organised political unionism, actually would have more influence on a permanent basis in the House if they were sitting there than they ever do in Westminster. You know, we've just gone through an unusual period of influence for the DUP. But then again, back in the 1970s, the Ulsterians had enormous influence uh, in the coalition as well, uh, or in a minority government. Um, yes, I. A lot of these things are about identity politics. They're not about rationality, and Dennis is right when you're talking about identity politics. It comes down to numbers. Um, the, the truth, of course, is that if you are talking rationally, then actually almost certainly Northern Ireland would be better off economically as part of United Ireland, but that the South would be better off leaving the North well alone. Um, And I still think, despite however many times Republicans tell tell me I'm wrong, that as things stand, people in the South are likely to vote no, even if people in the North vote yes. So, you know, there needs to be the people persuaded in the North first, but then you'd need to do, I think potentially an even bigger job of work to persuade people in the South. Um, And there's a lot of fear. And the reality, if only Unionists and Republicans understood this, is that however you see the future, the best way forward is to make Northern Ireland work properly actually, because Republicans are far too glib in believing that people in the South will just say, yes, of course, we want to take over Northern Ireland. They will not say that unless they are persuaded that Northern Ireland is actually working okay and without violence and is economically not a basket case. Um, And in terms of unionists, if they want England to want Northern Ireland to be part of the United Kingdom on an ongoing basis, and we know from the opinion polls that the majority of Conservative Party members actually don't care whether Northern Ireland is in the UK or not, just as long as they get Brexit, then actually, you know, if only the two major parties understood what was in their own best interest, they would actually make this place work and they'd be in partnership together.
1: Maureen Julianne, would you slightly come in on, on the constitutional issue or any comments on what you've heard? No, just I think Dennis summed it
6: up superbly there and then what Paul was saying is just so truthful. Um, you know, Julianne said earlier, you know, things have to be time sensitive. Mm. This can't be something that we jump on. It has to be that long conversation. And I agree with you, Paul, work that we did do over the border. People had absolutely no idea what was happening up there, nor did they care, mm. you know, it was just so if, if we were going to have those conversations, all I want is that because of the toxicity of our politics at the moment, you know, it, it's rotten to the core, I feel, I and there's so much dishonesty, but people seem to be pushing that to the side. You know, I, I can't believe, I'm sorry that people can go on these amazing holidays and not be accountable for the way that which the monies were secured for that. But anyway, sort of thing through the
1: <laughs> and,
6: but, <laughs> but, but kind of the But you know, but you know, let's try and recover the truth. Yeah. That that has been my biggest concern. That you know, Donald Trump, uh, truth has never come into any conversation that he's had, and yet he seems to get away with it. You know, he, he can draw lines on a map and swear to claim that it, it was Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then he's you, you see the.
1: Move oh,
6: all I couldn't lie, you know, yeah. Boris Johnson is no better mm. and, and how or why did they get into positions of power and you know I think that Brexit is a brilliant opportunity because while we have this tribal politics here um, and while we have no maturity in order to deal with any of the complexity of our issues I do think that Brexit is, offers a great opportunity to have the important questions because I do believe that the DUP are so far in the past, you know, and they're still not recognising, you know, the, the rights of everybody on this island, you know, north and south, and and I do think that it's an opportunity, and I think that, you know, this aggressive nationalism and that, you know, the the, the right wing attitude and. And, and this idea of we ourselves alone when everything in this world now we are a global village so we have to have the conversations um, we have to know that it's in all of our best interests uh, for the future whatever choices we make but that it's informed choices that, that we stay with the truth and we deal with that in a really right rights-respecting way that we can make informed decisions and that it's not the simplicity of a yes or a no okay. that we have to be offered those different you know, complex issues resolve complex resolutions yeah.
0: I love the fact that people are seeing it as an opportunity because so it's so easy to see it as something that's so negative and terrible but seeing it as an opportunity and trying to find opportunity in it is maybe the only way to get through this next couple of years because it's, an absolute, it's chaos and I do think we're doing our children a disservice, taking them out of Europe because my, my child won't be able to travel freely the way I did, that's what, that, we're going backwards in time there. Yeah. And I do think it's time sensitive, but in a different way than, than the mm-hmm. storytelling and the beast building. Yeah. I think it's a different time of time, time sensitive. I also think that the, with the press and the, just the, the perception out there is that we're becoming a problem and a milestone around, around England's neck and also around the South. You know, I don't want us to be treated like a problem. We're, we're an opportunity, we're, we're brilliant, who wants us? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, that idea that oh, we have to sort out the Irish problem is actually annoying me more than the Brexit thing now, you know. Yeah. We're not a problem, we're brilliant, and it's than the the British
1: problem, you know. Uh, 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 you know
0: problem. Careful what you wish for, we're yeah. closer now to United Ireland than, than ever, and nobody's actually really fighting for it at the moment. Okay. So moment. Uh, Brexit is strange. Was never, Brexit was never actually about the economics. No. no. It's in about
7: the establishment of an independent republic in the south, was not about economics. Mm-hmm. It no economic sense when what's it happening. Mm-hmm. It's about larger uh, identity issues. And the reason why Trump and Johnson can get away with what they get away with is that they're, they're, they're floating on a set of vested interests. Yeah. And whose interest it is they have something like that holding the levers of power. And I think Paul's right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way for this not to be a negative issue is uh, for the focus to be on making Northern Ireland work mm-hmm. and making Northern Ireland work as an equal society. The yeah. attention being paid to that mm. because I think then, uh, and that you replace threat to identity with guarantees about identity, and we have a model for that. Really. Mm-hmm. Good for the Good Friday Agreement is a set of guarantees, and it, it stands there as a model that can be amplified.
0: But that model is only important here, more,
7: and it won't matter about the numbers in the end because, as I said, Brexit isn't about numbers, independent Ireland isn't about numbers, it's actually on another level altogether, and it wouldn't matter if the people who are a minority, they can still actually cause havoc, as we know in terms of our, our recent history. So I think the way of removing that is to transform threats into guarantees and over time work at building a, a, an equal society in Northern Ireland, make it work on those terms, mm-hmm. not simply the economic issues. I remember in Belfast, I was in Belfast doing some work with Plum Smith, the former governor of and I said, for thing one time, he said, you know, people say it's the economics that will solve the problem in the shanko Group. And I'm um, letting generally, as well, of course, the specific area. He said, but if, if you give a bigot a job, what you have is an employed bigot. Mm. Mm. If you haven't addressed the bigotry or the reasons for the bigotry at the same time, you're not going to make any headway at all. So you're reinforcing the I, I, I think the numbers. These demographics, and the whole debate about Brexit and the border, the border problem is about trade. Mm. As if trade is the actual issue. Well,
0: it's not at all
7: about I, trade. It
0: seems. I seem to think the wider issue about both Boris and Trump and everything they stand for is about bigotry, and it is about racism, and it's veiled bigotry. You know, England for the English and America for the Americans. What's it's like a it's like a dystopian fantasy coming true, and that that worries me. You know that. We don't want anybody, people who are born here. And that's becoming more and more accepted uh, an and ideology now. And that right. is worrying. in. And that's what should be dealing with in schools now, saying, by the way, all them politicians that are on TV are all wrong. Don't listen to them. You know, try and get that out to the children in case they think that's actually serious. You Because know. it's, it's an embarrassment of leadership at the yeah. moment. And the
1: opportunity here which Brexit is an opportunity ah. to create a kind of society
0: that might work for us, uh,
1: work for us, and work for the rest of the world as mm. a
0: model.
1: Mm. Okay, so that's it. I think that might be it for the Forward Together podcast series. Paul, how have you found it? Have you enjoyed it?
2: It has been very, very stimulating and interesting. Is yes.
1: mm, okay, and thank you very much, Paul, for all the time and effort. You went over and above. Um, for the delivery of this project and i think it's reflective of the quality of the conversation that we've had and i'd also like to thank our funders the community relations council for northern ireland as well as some of the people who helped us out with the editing along the way so with a d kern and Emer doherty in particular and of course thank you all for listening there's no point us doing it sitting in a room talking to ourselves um, i think this conversation will continue long beyond our podcast and we hope you've enjoyed it thanks
0: The Community Relations Council for Northern Ireland supports this podcast through its media grant scheme and core funding programme.